Welcome to the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Where there is fullness of joy forevermore and pleasures at His right hand. I want to give you two scriptures this morning that I'm going to open up with. And um, if I remember correctly, last week when Jesse opened us up with a thought and then a prayer, he was talking about the contrasts, how there's the Goliath and then there's the deliverance through David and how there's the weakness and then the strength that God provides and all the contrasts we see in life. And so this morning, these two verses certainly present a great contrast. The first one is in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. 2 Timothy 3, 1. And then the second one, you've already heard once, but you'll want to turn there again, and that's Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days will come perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. In the last days, perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with, hard to bear. And then Isaiah 30, in contrast, verse 18, the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore he lifts himself up that he might have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who earnestly wait for him, who expect and who look and who long for him, for his victory, for his favor, for his love, for his peace, his joy, and his matchless, unbroken companionship. Now, the second scripture is the answer to the first scripture. You've probably figured that out. A time of great stress and trouble, perilous times, hard to deal with, hard to bear, have come upon us. The 2,000-year-old prophecy from the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit is upon us. I don't know if you know this or not. How many of you are aware that April is Stress Awareness Month? Anybody know that? They have a month for everything. <clears throat> and uh, April is Stress Awareness Month. Personally, I think we've been celebrating stress awareness for the past three years. But um, this morning, I would like to introduce Stress Awareness Month to Jesus Awareness Month. Praise the Lord. Listen, it's time to make the stress and trouble that's hard to deal with and hard to bear aware of the God of justice who lifts himself up to have mercy on you and to show you his loving kindness. Hallelujah. Well, <clears throat> I like to think of stress as the gravity of life. Every step of living takes energy to break through the resistance of stress. But we stride through it under normal conditions. Stress is no more difficult than walking. But like, like an ocean, uh, talking about extreme conditions, the same water, the same ocean, 
uh, on a beautiful day out on Clearwater Beach, floating on an inner tube along the shore is refreshing. But being tossed by 30-foot waves in a tempest isn't refreshing, it's life-threatening. So stress isn't a killer until the storms come. And then the normal things that are just like you take in stride now become life-threatening. The storm stirs up the stress. Well, as, <clears throat> as the world becomes more stormy with every passing day, everyone today is struggling with stress. You may not even be aware of it this morning, those that are listening, those that may be watching. But statistics tell us that 33% of the people in this country describe themselves as living under very stressful feelings. And 75 to 90% of healthcare visits in the US are stress-related. Think about that for a minute. 75 to 90% of healthcare visits, that's in and, and out of the hospital, stress-related. 48% of the US has stress-related sleep problems. That's almost 50%, it's almost half the people have, have, have stress-related sleep problems. And 13%, I kind of think this figure is, is, has been increasing since the last time they did this study, but 13% of children in the United States will acquire stress-related anxiety disorders. Think about it. Our children haven't even left our home and they're already suffering from stress. You know, I used to <clears throat> hear all the time when I was growing up, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. That's a good little natural principle and it works in the spirit realm to keep in mind. So stress can quickly grow from a shih tzu to a wolf because what you feed grows, what you starve dies. Now there are <clears throat> tons of wonderful devotionals. If you were to Google stress and Bible answers to stress, it's just all kinds of great books, articles, and uh, uh, self-help guides to assist with the maintenance of the personal stress of provision and health and relationships in a calm, normal world. But that train's kind of pulled out of the station. Our world is quickly becoming anything. Calm and normal is fading off onto the horizon in the rearview mirror. What happens when the world goes mad? You know, God warns us about the added external stresses of a culture that is exploding with evil. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, I, I shared with you in the beginning the opening verse that says, uh, perilous times will come, that prophecy of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. And God warned us about that time of intense stress by saying in the following verses, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Pause for just a moment. I probably don't need to make you aware that one of the great issues that's being struggled and fought over 
uh, in our culture right now today is the challenge by the government and by educational agencies that they own the right to your children more than you do and that they can inculcate their culture into your children without telling you. And when you send your kids off to school, those teachers are coaching and grooming them and preparing them for a life of rebellion against what was, against their parents, and to become little slaves and pawns of their insane and upside down and inside out world. So disobedient to parents is a phrase that is a rather calm way of describing what will happen. Jesus actually expanded it when he said children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. In what world can parents be sentenced to death on the accusation of their children? Well, we are entering that world and our institutions are the ones that are ushering us into it. The, the institutions governed by the laws of our land are preparing our children to turn parents over for persecution. Let me go on. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. Have you ever seen a time when people were so unwilling to accept an apology? Entrenched, unappeasable, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. So our present world is rapidly aligning with the Apostle Paul's prophecy absurdities, insanity, and evils are bursting the seams of society and flooding into every void. Education, media, and culture is run by elites, and the economic and political world today is ruled by totalitarians. And so the world is becoming a pressure cooker of stress. And you can measure the progress over the past three to four years of how much has changed, how much has been lost, and how much ground evil has gained. And you can measure it in a number of metrics, but one of the most important is the impact on the average citizen, on people like you and I. The stress that you feel is so beyond just the normal stresses that we experience, like walking every day, when we deal with normal issues of health and provision and relationships because of a world around us that is collapsing. Now, we are wired. We are designed and wired to overcome trials by winning, solving, and getting past them. So we deal, in the normal course of things, we deal with trials, we deal with, with challenges by winning those challenges by solving the problems, by getting past them, getting over them. It's done, and in the rearview mirror, we move on. But what happens when you can't move on? What happens when trials don't let up and consistently overwhelm you? Then, when that happens, 
unresolved stress. See, you can handle stress because you resolve it, and it's gone, it's done. But trials that never stop and trials that you don't get victory over, trials by a world that has turned against you in very intentional and direct confrontations brings a sense of being overwhelmed. When those trials don't let up, that consistent feeling of being overwhelmed causes unresolved stress. And unresolved stress turns into anger and apathy. Now, when people's sense of safety around them erodes, their resistance to stress breaks down. Then, out come those behaviors that you never imagined that you'd act out. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I've never done that before. When stress wears thin, the skins of your and my composure, it tears and undisciplined thoughts and behaviors begin to leak out. And those leaks, if they're not dealt with, they quickly expand into toxic spills. And you see people on the front pages of the newspaper, or I guess we don't really have newspapers anymore, but all over Facebook, um, all of these outbreaks, people are just losing it. And, uh, and behaviors and words and actions that ordinarily would have been kept suppressed and in check are beginning to pour out. How many of you saw the, the Will Smith slap out the Alaskas? Who didn't? I mean, everyone's got an opinion, and I don't want to bring it up to, to uh, suggest any opinion about Will Smith, but let me just simply say, and I watched that again and again and again. Who could get away from it? And the one thing that, that stuck out to me was that here was a man who probably under ordinary conditions would have just simply let that incident, the thing that Chris Rock said, go by. Laughed it off. In fact, in the beginning he did. And he gets up, goes up on stage and hits him. And all the fallout from then, you know, and all the analysis of, you know, that was outrageous. And it was outrageous. But I really think that Will Smith's acting out at the Oscars is an example, a symptom, if you will, a sign of a behavior that would ordinarily have been suppressed, but it's breaking out because of weakened defenses. The stress of everyday life is taking its toll on everybody. And people, most people don't even realize it's chipping away. No wonder Jesus said, be careful what you listen to. But what happens when you can't just turn it off? What happens when the whole world, when Satan is using the entire world as a megaphone and he's talking to the whole society and you can't get away from it? I know a lot, of church, a lot of Christians like to run into church and close the doors and just pull the shade and, and pretend that it's not happening. But then they get mad when the pastor gets up in the pulpit, talks about how societies run mad and how politics 
have invaded every area of our life. And they get mad. They leave church. I didn't come to church to listen to this stuff. But the problem is that we, we have turned a corner. And we live in a time and in a world where the boundaries are collapsing. And people need to know how to deal with it. And they need to know what's happening. But this morning, I want to share a message with you about how personally we should position ourselves. We need to understand the time we're in, but we need to understand what God has provided for us. It's like when Jesus said to the disciples, get into the boat, we're going to go across to the other side of the lake. But he doesn't tell them about the storm that's in the middle. And they're certain that they're going to die, and they wake Jesus up in the middle of the storm, and they say, don't you care that we're dying, that we're perishing? But they weren't going to perish, and Jesus was well aware of what was going to happen. But they wake him up, and he gets up, and he calms the storm, and the waves calm down, and they go, wow, what kind of man is this? Well, he's Jesus who has prepared deliverance in the midst of the storm. He is the one that speaks to waves and stills the tempests of life. But the fact is, when people feel powerless, and that's, that's I guess, the point that I want to get at today, is that we, we ordinarily don't feel powerless because we have stress. We just have stress. And like walking, you have to fight gravity to pick one foot up and put the next one in front of it, but you're well equipped to do it. You take it, as we say, in stride. But what happens when you don't have the power to put one foot forward? That the forces of life around you are so powerful and so crazy and so out of control that you feel, and I stress the word feel, powerless. When people feel powerless, a sense of hopelessness begins to cause them to give in and to give up. They start letting go of the resistance that they used to have towards temptation and towards pressures. They kept themselves in check. They went through trials, and, and they didn't just fall apart or fly off at the handle. They may have thought things or felt things, but they didn't act them out. They didn't speak them. They were able to just keep them in check. But when stress becomes overwhelming and a sense of hopelessness begins to come in, the thought rises up, why bother? Now think of a time perhaps in your life, and there may be somebody listening who's there right now, where you're at that moment in your life, you're at that why bother moment. What difference does it make? Who cares? That's a very dangerous place to be at. Because when you're at the why bother, you feel apathetic. Your anger has, has devolved into apathy. And you just give in. There's no resistance left anymore. When that happens to people, it opens the doors in them to say things they would never have said before. To do things they would have never done. To go places they always avoided and would have never gone. Imaginations and temptations start being acted out. And what was hidden underneath the surface is now starting to jump out. And we're looking at people and going, wow, 
can't believe she did that. I can't believe he's like that. But what's happening is that Jesus' great warning of the end times is speeding towards us. It's coming into view. In, in the gospel, when Jesus warned about the end times and he said, because lawlessness will abound, the love, the agape of many will grow cold. That love of God in many believers will literally subside and give way because they will let themselves become so stressed that they feel anger and that anger will turn into apathy and they start saying and doing things they thought they would never say or do. Jesus warned, because lawlessness abounds, the love of many will become cold. But now here's the pivot. Good news, I didn't come to stress you out this morning. But let's be honest, we need a context. There is a clear blue heaven, a clear blue sky above the clouds, above the storm. Always remember Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. That's what God's Word says. When sin increases, grace abounds all the more. There is never a time, there is never a place under the Lord's heaven where sin increases, bears its teeth, begins to, begins to take giant swipes into the population, like the people of Ukraine must be feeling this morning as the Russian bear has charged in to their neighborhoods and homes. That sense, that feeling that, that the world's gone mad and it is just ripping our lives apart. There's never been a time when no matter how horrible those events, those dark times, those storms in history are, where in the midst of the storm, God's grace wasn't greater, wasn't stronger, and wasn't available. There are many, many stories. Now, maybe the, maybe the battle didn't stop. Maybe the war didn't stop right away. Eventually, but not, not right away. The bear just keeps swiping and keeps clawing. But in the midst of it, there is a dimension of safety where the Lord will lift you up. He has lifted himself above that storm. There's never a time when things get out of hand with God. Never. I don't care what set of circumstances is stressing you out this morning. The Lord is there. There is a dimensional door that you can walk through. There is a love that is calling to you. Don't get cold. Don't turn coward. Don't let the lawlessness captivate your heart. There's a door in your heart. Walk through it. Jesus is there knocking, wanting to have fellowship. Jesus said this in the Gospel of John, <clears throat> chapter 14. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give it to you like the world does. Do not let your hearts be stressed or lacking in courage. Peace. I give you my peace. Not like the world gives. Don't let your hearts be stressed or lacking in courage. Now, the world gives peace. You know how the world gives peace? As a greeting. 
people say, have a great weekend. But just because they said it doesn't mean, yes, the, peace. what's up, man? That's right. Dude, peace. Peace, love, and dope. That's right. You know, the world gives peace like a greeting. But just because they say it doesn't change anything, does it? So the world gives peace like a greeting, but Jesus said, my peace, my peace. What is his peace? His peace is more than a greeting. It's, it's more than a sentiment. Think of the moment when Jesus said that in John 14. It was the Last Supper. He was hours away from being put on Calvary's cross. He was literally... As he spoke that, as he said it, he was in the process of being betrayed. One of his own, Judas Iscariot. Jesus was full aware of it, was turning against him, had already negotiated to turn him over to his enemies. Jesus saw it all coming at him, and he walked right into it. He walked into a betrayal, a, a time of stress, so stressful that when he prayed in the garden, he began to sweat drops of blood. That's stress. Knowing what he was going to face, knowing that everyone that loved him would be overwhelmed with the stress and the fear, and perfect love would not cast out fear. They would turn against him, or at least go silent and turn coward. He would be alone. On every level and in every way, Jesus faced stress. And Jesus said, at that moment, that moment, in the midst of that, he said, I give you my peace. Wow. What peace is that? It's the peace that caused Jesus to be braced up with the Father's love and to endure and go through what he was going through who for the joy set before him endured the cross, though he despised the shame. We are enduring things today we despise. We are facing things that anger us and we despise. But hold firm, believer. Hold fast to the peace of God. God's peace will get you through. Jesus doesn't give a peace like the world gives. Their peace is meaningless. But think about the peace that Jesus gives. It's spelled out in Isaiah 30, verse 18. Let me read it to you again. The Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore, he lifts himself up. Jesus was about to be lifted up. Though he was lifted on Calvary's cross, in the most torturous and awful way, love had him lay his life down for our punishment. And what actually happened was he was lifted up above every stress you and I will ever feel. He was lifted up against above the stress of cancer. You come back from the doctor. Now, I don't know what it's like to go to a doctor's office and have them say, you've got six months. You have stage four cancer. But there are people in this room who know what that feels like. Jesus was about to be lifted up above every stress, over every fear, over every problem, over a world gone mad. And uh, 
the Lord earnestly, longingly lifts himself up in order to have mercy on you and to show loving kindness to you. It, he did it all so he could rescue you in the time of stress, so that he could deliver you out of the, the bear paws of stress. Your little shih tzu turned into a wolf, and it's all over you like a five-legged mountain lion. Jesus is there to, to deliver you from the beast so that he could have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. When I look out at the injustice today, and I'm so angry, and I look with righteous indignation at the kind of people they put on the courts and the kind of people they authorize to, to manipulate and process our children, the kind of people that run our governments, and the battles that are going on. It's just so frustrating, and yet I remember God is a God of justice, and he has lifted himself up. Why? Because he wants to do good to me. Lord, I'll take that. I'll take that any day, hallelujah. I'll take that peace that'll make me stand so that I can bring some others into that ark of safety. Can you say praise the Lord? He lifts himself up to show you mercy. Blessed are all those who earnestly, now listen to this, wait for him, expect, look, and long for him. Think of those words. Those who wait for him, expect, look, and long. Those are active words. Those are words that are describing somebody praying. Somebody is on their knees talking to Jesus. Somebody's pouring their heart out. They're not just twisting in the wind, flailing in anger, sitting, falling apart in apathy. They're falling apart before God. They're taking their anger and their apathy and they're, they're going to Jesus. They're going to God. They're pouring their soul out. They are expecting and they are looking and longing for him. And the Bible says that if you look and long for him, you will find his victory, his favor, his love, his peace, his joy, his matchless, unbroken companionship. So I just want to close this morning and tell you that in this message of contrast, there is one that's greater. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Just remember, this is not a contest between two forces and we're going to find out who wins. There is never a question as to where the triumph was going to be. Who was victorious? The Lord was victorious. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was risen and upon the throne. He left the throne that he'd already raised, been risen to in the timeless eternity. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. He's Lord over everything that is yet to happen. Much, how much more that which is happening. He lifts himself above the storms of stress. He eagerly longs and looks for the opportunity during those storms of stress to bring you out and to bring you up with him. When you expect, look, and long for his victory, for his favor, for his love, peace, his joy, for his companionship. He is eager to give it to you. He has already provided it. 
He will find you. He'll show you his loving kindness. He will apply his justice, his merciful kindness, and he will lift you up to be with him in the midst of those storms. Hallelujah. You know, <clears throat> I, I want to go back to this one thing for a moment. In uh, John 14, when Jesus said, my peace I give to you. I leave this peace with you. I give it to you, not as the world gives. I, that, that contrast, the Lord gives a peace, not like the world gives a peace. Just, I felt there was just a depth there that the Lord wanted us to realize and to understand. And so you dig that out on your own, but I just would like to leave you with this one thought, that the peace the world gives depends on those who create the trouble promising to solve the trouble. And uh, oh, the stress of waiting for that to happen. But the peace that Jesus gives in the time of trouble, when the trouble is pouring over your head like waves, Jesus' peace lifts you up and keeps you out of the hands of the troublemaker. Praise God. Those that make trouble promise to solve the problems, as they're saying, peace. But Jesus prayed in his great intercessory prayer for us in John 17. This one little phrase stands out to me as we prepare right now to pray. In verse 15, as Jesus spoke to the Father on our behalf and he said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. I can handle the stress if I keep myself in Jesus because he will keep me out of the hands of the troublemaker. He will keep you out of the hands of the troublemaker. When those finances seem like the bear has come in and he's shredding into them, when your health and the report of your health seems like the wolf has jumped your physical body, just remember he promised. He promised to keep you out of the hands of the troublemaker. I pray not that you would take them out of the world. You're in the world. That's why you got sick. You're in the world. That's why your finances fell apart. You're in the world. That's why all those trials come. He didn't say you wouldn't have trials. He didn't say you'd have trouble. In fact, he said the righteous will suffer many afflictions. But a little while afterwards, the Lord says, he'll restore you. He'll keep you out of the hands of the troublemaker. The troublemaker, maybe the trouble will touch you, but the troublemaker can't have you. Glory to God. Somebody say amen. I'd like you to close your Bibles and stand with me this morning. I don't know what kind of things stress your life out. You know, it, um, or might be stressing your life out right now. Churches can be a very funny place because... Um, we come looking for comfort, looking for healing, but we come wanting to look like we don't need comfort and we don't need healing at the same time. And oftentimes people stay home from church because they don't think they can hide the fact that they need comfort and healing. I can't go to church like this. I'm a wreck. Um, I don't want people to think, you know. But... You know, that when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those people, the woman with the issue of blood, you know, um, the, the father, Jairus, his daughter, 
They were frantic. They were totally stressed out. They were at their wits end. And they, they pushed through the crowd. They were out in public. They didn't care who saw them. Their stress drove them to Jesus. And they didn't care what they looked like. But church is a funny place, you know. It's, um, I think we really need to rethink um, how we should handle it when we gather together to be the body of Christ because, because the Lord wants to touch people. He wants to deliver them out of the hand of the troublemaker. He's promised to do that. He's promised to do that. But the reality is that people will come and you oftentimes, as I'm looking at you right now, you don't know what's behind those eyes. You don't realize somebody could have spent the whole week crying and they might have had seven breakdowns that week and had to put themselves together. And the last one they had was this morning as they were getting ready to come to church. You never know. It happens all the time. So I don't know where you're at, but I know this is a perilous time of great stress, hard to bear and hard to deal with. And I know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So I'd like us to pray together. And I specifically want to pray for those this morning. You've been bearing up under stress. You could handle the average stress of life, but now the nuts of the world are coming over the wall and you, you just feel like you can't take it. It's time to call on Jesus and to let him lift you up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a very present help in the time of trouble. They called you Jehovah Shammah in the Old Testament which means the presence of the Lord is here. Jesus, people streamed out of villages and towns because they saw heaven in you. They could touch heaven when they touched you. And so we come to you this morning to touch you, Lord, because you have lifted yourself up. You have positioned yourself over our situation, over our storm, to lift us through that storm up to the place of safety and rest in your wonderful, caring hands. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray for each and every one whose hand is over their heart right now, praying for a wounded heart, praying for deliverance in their mind, praying for help in their body. You are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You are Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd. Somebody's confused this morning. Somebody is in a situation that they normally could have figured out, but they are completely overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. They have given up and they have given in. Rescue them, Lord. Holy Spirit, go get that person. Rescue them. I pray that the rescuing spirit of the living God will find you right now and pull you out of despair. I command that wolf of despair to be whipped back down into the Shih Tzu that it, you can easily manage. In the name of Jesus, I command those 30-foot tempest-tossed waves 
to settle down and the Lord keep you in his hand oh glory to God come on let the Prince of Peace let the Prince of Peace minister to you right now there is an anointing